is caries detector dye BS? Like I know lots of dentists who've seen it and they think this is just a fad. This is as useful as those photos of people holding cucumbers between their teeth. Is there actually any science or useful applications? Because caries, as some colleagues would say, I just use my high magnification, my good lighting and my probe. I don't need a fancy dye to tell me if I've got caries or not. I'm experienced enough to know that I've removed caries. Now, you know what? I kind of felt that way. I was like, do I really need a dye? I think I'm pretty good at removing caries. And too fair, since I've been using it, it's kind of confirmed that I'm pretty good at removing caries. Okay, I'm happy to say that. I'm proud enough to say that. However, one in five, one in six times, I see a pink haze where it shouldn't be. And you'll find out what that pink haze means in this episode, but it's really useful objective data. So we'll speak to Dr. Harman Dorgan all about caries detector dye, how to actually use it properly, what is the evidence base behind it, and how to interpret the data that you get by using it. Hello, Protruserati, I'm Zaz Galati, and welcome back to the Protrusers Down podcast. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. It's great to have you. Every episode, every main episode, I do a protrusive dental pearl. Some good tip, often clinical, sometimes non-clinical, that's gonna help you in practice tomorrow. The one I have for you today is very much linked to the theme of this episode, i.e. how not to expose, how to remove the appropriate amount of caries to get the best bond strengths possible without risking removing too much dentine and causing a pulp of exposure. So how do you do that? You use some landmarks. You use your perioprobe and some landmarks. And the zone that should be ultra clean, the zone where you should be aggressive in caries removal, if that's a fair enough term to use, is if you measure from the cusp tip down five millimeters, in that zone, you're not gonna hit the pulp. So please remove the caries. And from the adjacent tooth, so let's say you're doing a first molar, you can measure from the second molar, the marginal ridge of the second molar, three millimeters into the first molar distal, then that is your zone that you should keep super clean. And in those ranges, in those five millimeters from the cusp tip and three millimeters from the adjacent marginal ridge, you're not gonna risk exposing and so therefore you should try to get this really lovely clean peripheral zone. But you'll hear more about that in the main episode with Harman. So next time if you're wondering, should I remove some more? Should I not? Will I expose? Maybe you can use a perioprobe. Just be sure to warn your nurse uh, first because the first time you ever do this, you ask her for a perioprobe out of nowhere, randomly in the middle of caries and rover, you're about to expose and your nurse be like, wait, why are we now suddenly doing a BPE or something, right? So, so make sure you maybe uh, tell your nurse what you're doing first. We'll go ahead and join the main podcast now, this episode is suitable for 50 minutes of CPD. It's via the Protrusive app. If you're not on the app already, do download it. It's on iOS and Android, even on the web. You can just go to protrusive.app as a website and that will load the app as a web app. So you can access it there as well. And for premium members, you can answer a few questions at the end and get your CPD as well as a transcript in PDF and the premium notes that you see on the side will be given to you as a PDF. I'll catch you in the outro. Harman Dogen. Welcome to the Protrusive Zone podcast, my friend. How are you? Very well, thank you, Jess. Very excited and ready to go. <laughs> Mate, you are, I know you're buzzing. We had a little chat earlier about the, the, you're still buzzing from that World Cup win. I can sense the energy. I was uh, enjoying your social media sort of banter about you and uh, how Argentina was doing. I was happy. I won 150 pounds, you know. I had, I had Argentina as one of my teams in the, in the sweepstakes. So uh, I, I won and so I treated my practice to pizza. So I threw everyone a pizza party. So everyone was happy that Argentina won. That's really fair. I, I only won eight heart attacks in the final. So <laughs> <laughs> now that was epic, an epic final. 
don't think we'll ever see a final like that again. So that's amazing. But Herman, you're very active on social media. Uh, we've been connected for a few years now. Uh, what I see you do in terms of your passion for biometric dentistry is amazing. And you got me hooked to Kerry's detection dye. I love this stuff. I absolutely love it. When I first got the bottle, I was like, I have no idea how to use this, read the instructions. And now when I use it, I'm like, wow, what, you know, I was missing so much of it. And I guess we'll talk about my experiences and your experiences with it. But for those of you who, who don't know you, who don't yet follow you, tell us a little about yourself, your journey when you came over to UK from uh, Argentina. Was that after qualifying or? No, so I, I was born in Argentina but I was raised in Spain. At the age of five, my parents moved uh, to Spain, to Madrid, and that's where I grew up. And then I've got grandfather dentist, uh, mom dentist, father dentist, sister dentist. Uh, <laughs> so I had to follow the steps of, of everybody. So I graduated in 2010 uh, in Madrid. After a couple of years of... Uh, 2010 was a very, very hard time in, in terms of economical crisis. And I wasn't very happy working in Spain. So I decided to just like uh, move to the UK. I actually came for, for a couple of years to try to make some money and improve my parents' practice. But that was 2012. And I'm still here. I start working on, on the NHS. And then after a few years, as I was learning, I was finding a few struggles, unfortunately, in terms of use of certain materials and providing certain treatments to my patients. That all started after doing Tipton's, uh, Paul Tipton uh, training. Luckily, I managed to increase my private work to provide this to, to most of my patients. And I focus in restorative and analysis dentistry with a big background of biomimetics. 2019, I got in into Matt Najat's course when he came to London. That hooked me into Elements Mastership over a year. Then I had the opportunity to train with uh, with Emulate, but also help them teaching a little bit. And currently, I'm taking part of uh, Get Bonded and Step Bonded with Sami Sharif. Great course. I mean, that you're, you're to... teaching with these guys, right? You're, you're, you're an educator with them, which is amazing, man. Well done. Yeah, that's that's a great step. We're doing a good job. We're actually bringing David Alleman in March for for a session, a couple of days of uh, biomimetics, and then taking also part of the Mimetica uh, long. Uh, it's a one year program. It's a European program with three huge guides, in my opinion: Philip Kulimans, Hugh Barn, and one of my great, greatest friends and probably mentors, Raphael Wyman, which are helping me to understand adhesive dentistry like how to what element will call get bonded and stay bonded if that makes sense amazing and, and from you know speaking to taylor pat on the previous episode it is a uh, really you know get bonded stay bonded is such a great way to summarize uh, the field of biometric dentistry uh, and part of achieving those great bond strengths is actually your caries management your caries removal because if you're going to bond to caries it ain't going to stick you're going to be disappointed and that's where you you know we spoke on social media you recommended caries detected eye i asked you about it and you told me which one to get so let's start with that you know what is caries detection dye. Uh, it looks pretty on social media, but is it BS? Is it any good? I know you have a bias, but the bias is led by literature and it's led by uh, some time of you using it and your mentors using it. So so just start from the very basics. What actually is it? So yeah, it's a very good point what you said. You cannot bond if your foundation is 
is not good. Okay, so imagine building a house and the base is really soft. Uh, the house is going to crumble down. So we really have to find a way to see what we have underneath. And uh, Keris Detector Dye is a disclosing agent, uh, Red Fuxin, on a glyco solution that main purpose is to stain the neutralized collagen, okay? And this is a very important point because it's not a staining bacteria, okay? We're not mm-hmm. looking for bacteria. We're looking for denaturalized collagen, okay? We know that the bond so, strength... Uh, so to make it clear, uh, Herman, it is not a, a plaque indicator. It's completely different from plaque indicator. Correct, exactly. So we know that if we have denaturalized collagen, the, the, the quality and the bond strength of that dentin is not going to be as good as if we have sound dentin. So uh, the keratotector dye basically aids um, the excavation of the outer decalcified and infecting dentin, okay? And that basically allows us to have an optimal keras removal, okay? So if we have a good keras removal, we are going to achieve good seal and, more important, prevent issues like losing pulp vitality. So it could, could be a problem because if we're not sealing the carriers properly, it will keep going down and eventually we're going to end up with an irreversible pulpitis or further problems. Yeah, some people who are not very open-minded uh, and uh, me as a practitioner, I'd never been taught about carry, the use of caries detection dye. Uh, I'd only ever seen other people using it and I'm quite an open-minded clinician. I, I tend to, I'm happy to try new things uh, as long as it's got a scientific ra- uh, rationale behind it, which obviously is caries detection dye does. I was very open to using it and, and I love it. But the, the same thoughts that go into my mind go into other people's mind, but I still give it a go. I still want to give things a go. Other people are like, well, I have my probe. I've been using my probe for years. I can feel the dentine. I know that uh, this is soft and this is hard. Why do I need some color to tell me that? Now, obviously, I've been using it so I can answer that, but you're in a better place to answer that. What do you think? Yeah, okay. So we're talking about how to be objective and subjective in this matter, okay? So it's it's perfect. That That's a good way to do the description. If we can see what we're treating and, and we can identify the substrate by different colors, we're going to be able to know what is there. However, uh, let's say you use a probe. The first point I will have is like, how can you measure every millimeter square of the surface of the cavity that you're doing? Good luck with that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that you're not wrong by trusting. And I think it's part of the clinical judgment that you're going to have. You have to uh, feel what you're treating and that will be part of the guidance. But I think uh, it's not completely accurate. And I believe that you will get surprised that if you finish a carrier's removal just with your burr and testing with a probe, eventually, if you try with a drop of carrier's detector dye, things will change and they will blow your mind somehow, showing that you probably left tissues there that are not going to provide appropriate bonding and proper seal of the surface. And especially when we're talking nowadays that the contemporary concepts are saying that we can leave carriers behind as long as we seal it properly to starve the bacteria and then kill it, okay? So if you're having a leak, that's not going to work and then it's going to bite you back eventually. I think another point is like how subjective is hard for me? How mm-hmm. how is like... I think uh, I explained this with uh, in a talk with Ash. It's, uh, it's a very, very simple thing. You and me go to the gym, but I believe that I go only twice a month, but you go every day. 
Okay. I wish. Ten t- okay, yeah. Well, I'm putting just an example. But 10 kilos for you, if you're going every day, it's not going to be heavy. 10 kilos for me, that I go twice a month, might be super heavy. So we really cannot have always, all of us, the same feeling. A tactile feedback. Uh, and it's the same as perioprobing, uh, Herman. Uh, perioprobing, you're supposed to use 25 grams, I believe, uh, of weight when you're doing uh, perioprobing. But when you actually get the, the tests, the algometers, whatever they use, uh, everyone's actually usually a bit too much, but, but everyone's different. Uh, and to achieve that optimum is difficult. How do you screw an implant? What do you use? A torque wrench? I, 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 yeah. I don't. I, I use a referral pad. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's a good way to, 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 to think it. No, but if you think about it, we, when we're doing implants, for example, if, if, if we need to know how much torque we have to give it to screw, we need something to measure it. And that's why we use a torque wrench, for example. Okay, and if we want to be even more accurate, we're going to use probably a digital one. Okay, so I think having, especially when the main thing that we're doing as general dentists is remove caries every day, we should have a systematic or a way that we can really kind of standardize the way that we're removing caries to achieve proper results. You know, it's, it, and I think it's an important thing. And I don't believe the tactile feedback. It, feedback is not it's not accurate and there are papers from from Fusayama that even more important when we're getting closer to the pulp the closer that we're getting okay acute and chronic decay there is no difference in the elasticity and the hardness of that surface so if we're dealing with deep cavities and we want to prevent pulp exposure your best way to address it will be helping yourself with something to visualize what you're removing and having a little bit of knowledge of the anatomy of the tooth. Well, we'll talk about that in terms of, okay, once you do use the caries detected, I had to interpret that data. But I think, yeah, it's a, it's a good first point that the data is, is good because it turns something subjective. You know, the, one of the first things I learned was the color is unreliable. You know, we used to chase everything until it was yellow. We then know that, okay, it's okay to leave brown and black based on amalgam staining, etc. Uh, and so that was fine. Uh, yeah, I think people still struggle to to believe that your probe and the softness, uh, even that can fool you because that is subjective data. And I completely agree. So to, to give you my experience of, of using caries section dye so far in the last six months, I'm usually, now I'm using it, it's validating, it's giving me peace of mind. Okay, yeah, this is what I expected. I thought this was caries free and my caries tech dye is confirming that. However, the odd time, one in six times I've done it as a, oh, wow, I've actually missed a bit there and I, <laughs> I should go back. And it's just, it made me feel really good. And it also gives me a zone that I know that, okay, this zone, we'll talk about these zones. I can be a little bit more aggressive here. I can leave a little bit more behind here and it gives that nice zone, which I know we'll get into. So I'm, I'm so far uh, very much converted. I'm a big fan of it. And the odd time it has surprised me. I thought, thank goodness, I've got this as <laughs> objective data. So I, I, I totally agree that more people should use it. When should you use it? Should do you use it for do you use it for every restoration every caries restoration or is it only for the deep ones everything everything first of all not disrespecting anyone but if i'm replacing any restoration i need to find out why okay so let's say there's a recurring caries and we're removing a filling the first thing i want to check if okay it could be c factor it could be something that uh, poor bonding protocol not like like not, not enough like cure something has has happened 
But the first thing I'm going to probably try to check, and, and this is where I respect how open-minded you are, because as soon as you heard that, it was like, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a go. And you clearly noticed the difference. When, when I started my biomimetics and most of my restorative dentistry, it was because things were not going well in many of my treatments. So I had that curiosity to find out why. So I'm replacing a filling. Let's say a patient is coming with some sort of sensitivity. There is a filling. The first thing I'm going to do is an investigation. And the first step is as soon as I remove my filling, check with the caries detector diet. And we'll say that in very, very, very uh, high percentage of those cases, I'm finding affected dentin or even infected dentin in areas that shouldn't be. So what we're basically saying here is there are areas that are not bonding properly. So therefore, that restoration is starting to fail, causing problems to the patient. So so that is, uh, like just to make it really clear for, for someone who might have missed what you said there, this is as soon as you remove the restoration, you haven't even now started to remove any caries yet, because I guess the point you're trying to prove is, why did it fail? And if you use it straight after removing a restoration, you can see that there is still caries near the sort of external margin it was leaking. Correct, exactly. So... Uh, it could be probably the thickness of the cars. It could be the C factor, but definitely I want to check if there is appropriate care of removal. Okay, so because I'm taking over this treatment, so I need to sleep well, like you said, and I need to make sure that I'm going to achieve high bone strength and therefore longer prognosis of my of my restoration. Whenever I'm going to do any carriers, uh, even if it's like uh, something that is 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 a deep carriers. Definitely, it will help me to prevent pop exposure because I will have uh, knowledge of my landmarks and I will know where where I have to stop. But more important, how to create that famous peripheral seal zone that helps to to seal the bacteria and preventing them from from going deeper. And in those cases, what I will probably do is, is as soon as I remove kind of like the dirty area, we will call it like that, and I'm starting to have my cavity. So I know that I'm starting to go a little bit deep. Then is when I'm going to start uh, using my my first few drops. And I'm saying drops because it's not one drop. Okay, uh, Most of the people will say, oh, yeah, I do one first drop clean, but they don't check. So we will talk probably when we go into well, how to use it. Well, let's just talk about that now. Uh, what is, uh, how much you do? So I can tell you what I've been doing and I'm happy to say it out, you know, live on air if you like. Uh, I might be doing it wrong and feel free to tell me is at the moment. And I didn't read the instructions in terms of the way it's delivered. I, I just, I know it's supposed to leave it for 10 seconds and I, that's why I remember and that's why I do before I wash it away. But uh, I have it in a dapping spot and I've got maybe like, two, three, four drops in there and I'm, I'm mixing my microbrush inside there and then I'm rubbing my microbrush into the cavity. Am I doing it wrong? Am I doing it right? No, absolutely perfect. Uh, I, I, probably I used maybe a couple of drops in the brush and that's more than enough or in the dap in. But what I'm doing is constantly trying, constantly trying. So I clean and I try. I clean and I try. I always test it. Because one thing is a staining. So you're talking about reapplication. So you're, you're applying it, waiting 10 seconds, you're washing it away, then you're reapplying it. I clean. Well, I clean my surface, okay? And then I will, I will test myself if I clean it properly, okay? Because okay, okay. it doesn't have enough penetration sometimes, so we really have to do reapplications in the different steps that we're going through the removal of the carriers. Got it, got it. Okay, but in terms of the actual uh, procedure of how I'm applying with a microbrush and just rubbing it all the way around, uh, yeah, that's, just that's one, okay, right? Yeah. Leave it for 10 seconds, wash it away, 
Yeah, perfect. Fine. So before we talk about how to interpret that data, which I think is so key, and we'll talk about the peripheral zone and using your landmarks, um, what does the evidence say? Is there much evidence in terms of how reliable the data is that you, this objective data that you're getting from the color, from the caries detected dye, how reliable is it? This has been been studied since 70s, 80s, okay? And, and the most important thing, and, and especially I think uh, this is something that for me, it, it clicks a lot in a way of uh, we're measuring infected, affected dentin. So we know the bacteria is going through, uh, there is acid attack and that's producing the denaturalization of the collagen, which is what creates the good and the bad bond on the surface of the tooth. And uh, studies are from late 70s, 80s, and they are showing that even without complete removal, so leaving infected and affected areas, we're getting high bone strength. Well, high bone strength. If we're talking about uh, infected dentin, we're getting around 10, 15. But if we're leaving affected dentin, we're around 20s, okay? So 25. If we think about bonding to enamel, we're getting 31, okay? So... Even not complete removal is showing us that it's high bone strength, okay? And then if we are actually have sound denting, we're achieving up to 50s. How do you achieve it is a different thing. And I think it's what you spoke with my, my previous colleague about how to, to bond to dentin and more the principle of biomimetics. And it's all about a matter of time, allowing the bond to, to mature properly in order to achieve high bone strength, okay? So obviously there is several papers that are showing that we're able to bond to carriers and how effective is the fact that we can visualize what we're bonding. I don't, how do you describe infected or affected dentin without having anything that is showing you? You know, I cannot, it, it doesn't go into my mind. It's like infected dentin. How, do, we, we know that by discoloration, we cannot differentiate the, the, the different surfaces. So it has to be something. And in this case, it's a carrier's detector that will, helps you. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. When you are seeing the different colors, like let's say you've, uh, you've got a large cavity, uh, you remove the caries to uh, the what you think should be removed. So, you know, you're, you've gone by your usual subjective data and now you're going to rub in the caries sector dye. Then you wash it away after 10 seconds and you see what's left behind. Does the color gradient, does the pink versus red tell you something? Is it, it Assuming you're using a red one, obviously you use a green one, it's different, but let's go with the red because that's the one I have. <laughs> so, yeah, the, if you have a look to the first papers that are coming around the 80s, what they're saying is that the infected dentin stains, whereas the uninfected dentin or affected dentin doesn't stain, okay? That acid attack on the affected dentin has been more aggressive, okay? So everything has collapsed and it allows 
the dye to penetrate. That's why it will get darker. It's not that... Wait, it, on the infected dentine, it's, it's been a, a more attacked, right? Yeah, yeah. Every, exactly. Whereas the affected, the denaturalization is, is, is not so aggressive. So let's think about the progression of the decay. There is acid at the front, yeah? That acid attack hasn't been so strong, okay? That dentine still has the ability to remineralize, which is the important thing why we can preserve it and why we have a higher bond strength, okay? So if we're trying to penetrate with the caries detectodine, it's not going to be so easy. So that is when you're going to get a lighter pink, okay? So the red will be the affected dentine, completely unremineralizable, okay? No, the, the red, is, red is the infected. Infected. And the pink yep, is right. the affected. So the, the pink is affected. And then obviously, if you get no staining at all, that's obviously completely healthy. And, and that's fine. Uh, and you Sound can go with that. Yeah. Well, let, let's give, give us some guidelines now in terms of if you have some pink, when is it okay to leave the pink? And uh, what position in the cavity is it okay to leave the pink? Uh, I think that's important as well. So let's, we'll come to the red in terms of when you're getting near the pulp and stuff. But uh, let's start with the pink. If I see some pink, which is the affected dentine, but it's in the, it's near the ADJ, it's near the DEJ, then that's affected dentine. Now we can bond to affected dentine better than infected dentine, but is it safe to leave it at the ADJ? So that will be basically losing a 30 to 50% bond strength. Yes, because we said we're going to go around 20, 25, 30. Okay. If I'm not going to expose pulp, why will I leave it? I want to increase my bond strength for a more successful restoration. So therefore, it's basically the idea will be to leave it around two millimeters inside of the DJ of sound dentin. Okay, mm -hmm. so there shouldn't be any pink haze near the DJ. Perfect. And then when we get closer to the pulp, at what point can you leave uh, red? Okay, so the red. This is a bit of, uh, if we go to that paper that Pascal and, and David Alleman released in 2012, there are some landmarks that is uh, letting us, I will share you uh, the little pictures with the probe. I think uh, having a, a period probe is quite important to prevent pulp exposure, okay? So what is telling us is to, to avoid pulp exposure, we have to measure five millimeters from the cusp tip and three millimeters from the adjacent marginal ridge to create that peripheral seal zone, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you see that picture, we will have like a tooth. So from the cast, we're gonna measure five millimeters from the tip and then three millimeters for the marginal ridge of the adjacent tooth, okay? Mm -hmm. If we are not having adjacent tooth, which can happen, we have to think about the curvature of the tooth. So obviously if we're high up, those three millimeters that you're measuring predicting that there is a tooth next door, it will be different because the amount of dentin will vary. What I will have is those two millimeters of clear dentin. But mm -hmm. we have to use the clinical judgment, okay? We have to look at the x-rays. An older patient will have more retracted pulps, so we will be able to be a little bit more aggressive, okay? So these are standard measures that we're gonna, we're gonna use, but we also have to use x-rays. Otherwise, and that's the important part. You're going to leave a lot of red that, again, doesn't bond properly. So what the reason why it bonds is because it managed to get into the affected dentin. But in the middle, you're not going to get such a... And the loading fatigue will have an impact or even fail and allowed 
the progression of the carries again. So in order not to uh, expose the pulp, we want to make sure that we have uh, no color, no pink, no red in the peripheral zone of at least two millimeters all the way around. Uh, but if you've got a particularly deep uh, cavity and you're worried about pulp exposure and you get your measurements five millimeters from the cusp tip, three millimeters from the proximal uh, marginal ridge, and it is more acceptable to leave your pink and red in that zone. Is that a fair summary? Exactly. And then obviously, uh, this is just something what what I have is my air abrasion unit. So we know to, to increase bond strength, um, it's, it's a, a great tool. Okay, so paper shows but that. But the literature is uh, quite mixed, right? There's some literature that says that air abrasion doesn't increase the bond strength, some that says it does, some that says it doesn't. Maybe it's because of the plaque biofilm removal effect. Uh, wh what's your stance? You're more well read up on this uh, than I am. At the moment, most of the things that I read are going towards using air abrasion to increase the bond strength, and that's how you achieve Good. a 50 megapascals on, on bond strength and in sound denting. Okay, so if you read I mean, papers I swear from Bambervik. Are you anal about, uh, like some dentists, like it has to be 27 microns on the dentine and 50 uh, microns on when you're doing indirect work? Like, it's not practical sometimes. So is it a sin to use 50 microns on dentine? So... That's dentistry, and there, there are so many papers, and everybody tests differently, and and that's the problem we're having. Eh? We're all testing differently. So, uh, in terms of for me, if it's something outside the mouth, and I'm talking to zirconia, which I barely use it, it's not a material that it's it's a common thing that I use because of the low bone strength. I will use 50 microns outside the mouth. In terms of the mouth, I'll stick to 25, uh, and the reason is because. It really doesn't show any significant difference between one and the other. And what I will say, if you go quite handy, quite quite heavy on your hands on a 50 microns, you're probably going to remove much more than what you want. And this is exactly mm -hmm. what I was going to try to say. Sometimes when I get to my last stage, I've done my measurements and I do a nice thorough air abrasion to remove that kind of red that is there. And if pops quite a big amount and I end up with a pulp exposure, it's very likely that my mm -hmm. bacteria was already in, in the pulp. Therefore, mm -hmm. that pulp exposure, I will take it as like, it was going to be needed. It, yeah. I was going to end up or either doing pulp capping or I was going to end up doing a root canal treatment because the, 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 the pulp was affected by bacteria. Bacteria was inside of the pulp, okay? So I will go with 27 microns on that last part area gently but enough to just like clean and see all that part of like soft decay coming out uh, if we can call it soft if that makes sense <laughs> but is that red area well for those who, who listen to the popotomy episode by Surizan, they'll be saying popotomy 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 but uh, uh, that, that, that's a, a different episode you guys should listen to that one that was a really good one here's an interesting one not interesting it's just something that's annoyed me and I, I'm really I was really looking forward to this chat to speak to you about this is when I use the Kerisector dye, and obviously the pink and the red that's in the middle, is it okay just to leave it? Because now that I've done my washing, I've done my air abrasion, there's still a little bit of pink and red there. And I was thinking for the longest time, like, oh my God, how do I get rid of this stuff? Is it is it okay that it's there? Please tell me you can bond to it. Oh, of course. That's what I, I, I said to you. And if you see the uh, the articles I sent you, those two, Josiyama and Nakajima, that's the name of them. They, they do the studies bonding to carries affected and carries infected dentin using carries detector dye and they are getting those numbers of 25 30 will it decrease maybe maybe not we don't know but how do we know if we're testing that or not 
and is still getting a 25 or a 30, you know, mm-hmm. on, on enamel is 30. So we're getting yeah. on mm-hmm. that pink haze, a good number. If by that 10, 15 that I'm getting in, in carries infected, may, basically avoiding pulp exposure, I'm winning. I'm already mm-hmm. winning. Mm-hmm. I'm preventing a root canal treatment. And what's important, you now have the ability, because the pulp is still alive, to heal. Mm-hmm. So if there is any inflammation, mm-hmm. it's likely to heal. But obviously, we're all different. We're all different. Yeah. Not everybody <laughs> has the same immune yeah, yeah. system somehow. Of course. So, but just to clarify, you, you're not using anything to actually remove the pink or the red uh, no. once you, no, no, no. Uh, which is, yeah, which is, yeah. I, I was thinking, I was just thinking about that. Was I supposed to do? The last, remember what I said, the last thing I do, I test myself by another application, another drop of carries detector dye, and then I rinse it, and then I check if I have a proper pre seal sock. Okay. Because it's very often done that they clean, 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 and on the last clean, they don't check it. So they just go to proceed. But if you check that, sometimes you might get surprised that you actually left affected or infected carriers in areas that are not affected mm-hmm. dented in, in areas that shouldn't be. Sure. I'm using the Curare carries detector dye at the moment, the, the, the red one. I like it. Uh, I think next time when I finish this bottle, I'm going to go for green because uh, in case there is a pulp exposure in the, in the future, uh, I, I worry that uh, if I've got something pinkish red uh, <laughs> and I might not notice. Do not. <laughs> when you see the pulp exposure, is 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 evident how the little bit of blood okay. comes out. Many times I'm able to see how come the pulp horns are starting to show off. So that is actually... Uh, remember what I said, clinical judgment. It's not only about my carrier's detector dye, it's a few things that are coming uh, together to find that carrier's removal endpoint, okay? Mm-hmm. So you will see that red coming out. It's not often that I find the patient, oh, it's hurting, I do everything, and someone just did a, a pulp exposure 10 years ago, you can see the hole and it's all dry, okay? So you can mm-hmm. see the pulp harm was exposed, and that is visible. And green or red, the most, most, important thing that you have to have is the content of glycol okay the the glycol content is the the only thing because it's what it helps you to penetrate and uh, i don't know exactly the brand uh, basically Cura i will have around a 90 percent but there is one of the brands i can't remember i'll try to to send it to you that basically the percentage is around a 45 percent so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is it actually penetrating no so it will tell you that you probably clean but you haven't. So as long as you have an, a, a high percentage of glycol to allow the the, the fuchsin to penetrate properly, yeah. to, to, to allow the dye to go through. Curare, awesome. I'm a huge uh, Panavia fan. So when I saw that Curare did the, that carries that dye, I was like, yeah, I trust Curare. So I, I gave my money to them. Uh, but yeah, if you find out the name of this Mickey Mouse carries sector dye, you let me know and I'll make sure that no one ever buys that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find it. I think it's half a path or something like that. I think uh, Ultradent is also good content of glycol is another option that you can have. And I think that one is green if you want. But I, I haven't seen it. I only have used Cura uh, Rice since I started. And uh, one bottle of them will last me a very long time. It's a lot of, lot of carizotector dye. So... Yeah, for someone like you who's using it very heavily, uh, yeah, I mean, it does last a, a long time. And so, I mean, you answered all the questions that I, I had. Uh, Herman, tell us now. Anything that you think we've missed that you think it's important to know before someone, for, for the naysayers, for the haters, for those who are still not convinced that, you know what, this is just BS and uh, I, I'm still going to rely on my probe because I'm old school or whatever. Uh, anything you want to say to those guys or anything you want to say to the, those who want to, who are going to now uh, maybe try using carry sex dye and they're interpreting the data for the first time? Anything that you think we haven't covered yet? 
Yeah, I think the most important thing is that, and I and I have chat this with you so many times, we have to do what we do know best. Okay, so introducing new things, they will have a learning curve. They take time. And the best thing that you can really do is learning and have someone that can mentor you or help you and on the process. Okay, using carries detector die or not, it's a personal choice. I'm not going to force anyone to do it. We don't have to force people to do protocols that they don't feel comfortable. Uh, because the only thing that you're going to create is hate and, and, and dentistry is science, not a dogma. Okay. So that's, that's, that's the important thing. Important, important, important really is to uh, share those cases with people that are probably knowledgeable in the matter. Either I, I know Instagram can be a hit and miss, but there are lots of great gurus. That's how I met you. That's how I got in contact. Uh, with you and I learned a lot of TMJ thanks to you. Uh, so obviously we have to have a little bit of discretion on the matter, but absolutely share those cases, ask questions, be active. You will not learn. And second thing, you will notice that when you're using carries detector die, you will be a little bit more aggressive than if you were not using it. So many times what I find with the students is that because they are not cleaning it properly or they're not removing enough, they're really leaving some substrate that is not bonding as good as they could bond just because they are scared of having a pop exposure. So, Mm -hmm. and this is where sharing those cases with other people will help you and will basically make you improve in using this this carriage detector dye. And there is an important article that talks about carriage detector dye is too aggressive. And what they were testing actually was that they were leaving pink haze close to the DEJ, but they weren't finding bacteria. Mm-hmm. Are we testing bacteria? No. No, because you said it's, it's not a plaque indicator. Exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. So it will become a little bit aggressive, and that's the myth. And there is a, a big myth in case detector die being aggressive. And there is a restorative uh, book that was used very, very frequently that was saying the carries detector that it was not good because it was too aggressive. I was removing too much tissue, but it was because the test, once again, was done based on a different data or something mm-hmm. that we shouldn't be testing. So it was a mistake mm-hmm. and they, that person didn't understand what, uh, what we were testing with carries detector dye and they tried to find bacteria and they didn't find it. But we are trying to achieve high bone strength by having good dentine or to get the best substrate possible yeah Uh, yeah. i mean it it reminds me uh, her man of something my mum says uh, and she says it in uh, punjabi it's a punjabi saying but it basically translates to uh, the truth is always bitter so sometimes when you use the (laughs) carries that die the truth is revealed there's no hiding from it and what what you see is that oops i have been leaving a bit of uh, carries affected dentine in that peripheral zone where i should have been removing it all this time to get the best bond strengths at that you know first couple of millimeters of dentine so uh, super important so uh herman thanks for for covering this episode uh you got some exciting stuff coming with the elements coming and it's at the cricket ground i'm so gutted i couldn't come because i'm, I'm on another course typical uh tell us about that my friend that's super exciting so we are third uh, and fourth of march uh, david element uh, we're going to spend either two or three days it depends on on, on what's going to be plan is uh, david and davy element both come in with sammy and me helping so we're, we're going to be at lords in in the cricket round at london so we're gonna review all biomimetic 
restorative dentistry and uh, the six lesson approach. And if we're doing the, se- the third day, it will be how to treat endodontically, uh, how to restore endodontically treated tooth. Um, it's a very interesting, heavy hands-on, a lot of theory, which is what I find with the, with David Alleman, if there is something that I have to really praise and, and really appreciate from him is that he made me read uh, not mm. just have uh, someone that comes and this is good, you know, like this is good. This is good. I show you my 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 keynote uh, about this presentation and it's heavily, heavily based on, on, on articles that are showing different things and all of them will have a point. Why this? Why, why not this? And why do I think uh, and why do I have this opinion? And I think this is one of the best things that you can have uh, from 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 Dr. Aleman and and, and from Davy because uh, Sami as well is 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 for me one of the most amazing person. I would like you to have a conversation about whatever you want because if yeah, you, if he's, you he's been invited. Him, he's just got to click on the link and then uh, book in, my friend. He's he's more welcome to to to, to join us to to geek out on biomedical dentistry. Uh, it's 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 a topic that uh, I think is really exciting nowadays. It's been around for a long time. We've known about it. It's a it's, yeah. a, it's a for for me it's a decent dentistry on steroids, right? <laughs> it's, it's like that. I agree. I I I do I do love biomimetics and, and I, I know where that but I'm more I like more my adhesive and restorative dentistry with a lot of background on biomimetics. You know, I I think mm-hmm. I, I think I think it's just that I understand what you say exactly is is a is a perfect perfect wording. It's a big intense uh, tense thing, but I think what what really kind of like enlightens it is the amount of literature that really provides to dentistry and, and, and for clinicians to to learn. And I think what it what it is provided based on speaking to, to my biometric colleagues is guidelines and protocols, decision making skills based on sound literature. That that's what I what I what I've interpreted so far basically. So uh, I think that's mm-hmm. great. I want you to tell the website and also how we can follow you on Instagram. So my my Instagram is uh, is it's a funny one. Is a German T E K I L L A. So it's a German tequila. It's nothing to do with tequila, even if people think that it's something to do. It's just a, a funny thing that came from from university. Mantequilla in Spanish means butter. So I play with my name just like uh, to 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 do that when I was at university. So it stays. So it's German T E K I L L A. And then um, we can have a look at getbonded.tabonded.co.uk and you will find all the information about that course in the UK. If you want to level up a little bit more and have a one-year program, I will recommend you to have a look to Mimetica. It's another great program that I recommend. Have a look to Rafael Wyman, Hugh Byrne and, and Philip Kulemans. Uh, amazing clinicians, researchers that also um, I'm collaborating with them and I'm going to be in May. I'm going to be lucky to be with uh, Junji Tagami. Uh, I'm going to be lucky to be uh, with Alisada around. These, these people teaching all of us is, is an amazing program. It's uh, David Jardol, uh, which I think you, you, you've, you've met before, another, another great clinician. So it's uh, if you are interested in doing something a little bit more a long year course, it's it's another great option. And if you also want to have a look, uh, check check uh, Emulate is another 
um, restorative course based on, on biomimetics and, and an incredible hands-on with uh, two amazing people like Fran and, and, and Stu, Franz Welford and, and Stu Bex. Incredible mm-hmm. hands, incredible talent. And we, we have to shout out to uh, Taylor Patton again, the hybrid layer as a good resource to, to read up and it's an introduction to biometric and so I love what he's done there. So there's plenty of uh, learning to be, to, to be done there. Yeah, thanks so much, my friend, for giving your time up. Thank you. Thank you. Can't thank you enough, honestly. Thank you, buddy. Well, there we have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening and watching all the way to the end. Hope you enjoyed learning about Kerry's Deck to Die. And maybe you may start implementing this in your practice and you'll be able to use it properly from the get-go and interpret the data so you can get the best bond strengths possible. Now that you've listened all the way to the end, do answer a few questions. Get that CPD that you well and truly deserve. By the end of the year, all those hours will rack up. And if you want to refer to some of the notes, you can always download that as a PDF as well by scrolling on the app. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do consider leaving a review or a rating, depending on which platform you're listening or watching on. It really helps a lot. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you in the next one. 